and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. This is our reading here tonight, but I also want to read from another translation, for it is there from which we will take our title. I'll read the same two verses from this translation. You can read along again if you would like in the King James Version and see some of the differences. At daybreak, verse 15, the angels urged Lot on, Get up! Take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away in the punishment of the city. Verse 16, But he hesitated because of the Lord's compassion for him. The men grabbed his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters. They brought him out and left him outside the city. One translation says that he lingered. This translation says, but he hesitated. And this is the message I want to speak to you tonight on for a few moments. But he hesitated. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the ability to recognize there is strength in your word, anointing in your word. We know that situations have brought us to a point in which you are speaking to us, you're directing us, you're guiding us. Amen. Situations have arisen so that we know that you're at work and we have the opportunity. We have the opportunity to respond to you and to boldly step forth in faith and say, God, I want to receive of what you are bringing to me in faith and confidence. Or it's the same opportunity to do as Lot in this passage of Scripture. But he hesitated. We ask that your anointing would be upon us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. But he hesitated. This is my title tonight. Before we get into an understanding completely of this exact passage of Scripture and these words, there is a context in which we must address. We know that Abraham was a man that was called of God. God promised him some great things, and Abraham left where he was comfortable in Ur of Chaldees. He followed the promise of God. The scripture said that he followed the promise of God not knowing where he was going. He had faith to believe that if God promised him something, that was going to be the trajectory. That was going to be the history of his life. And so he followed after the promise of God, even when he didn't see it. And God's hand and God's blessing was upon him in the midst of all of this. And God blessed him. He blessed his livestock. He blessed his, uh, he was a herdsman. And so he blessed his livestock. And he had a nephew that was making the sojourn with him by the name of Lot, Abraham and Lot. And because of God's blessing and God's goodness, there came a moment in their relationship in which their livestock had grown to the point where it was causing friction. And Abraham had a certain set of livestock. Lot had a certain amount of livestock. And their servants 
started interacting with one another in a negative sense and a negative way about where they were going to rest and feed and where they were going to take them in shade. And so this created a lot of organizational problems. And so it came a time in which they recognized we cannot stay together. There's going to be a situation in which we have to part ways. Abraham gave Lot the opportunity to make the decision. Abraham looked out, he saw the land, and he didn't want any quarreling between the two. And so he said to them, let's separate. If I go to the left, you will go to the right. If I go to the right, you will go to the left. And so Lot looked out and saw that the entire plain of Jordan, as far as Zoar, was well watered everywhere, like the Lord's garden and the land of Egypt. And so Lot made a decision. I'm going to go to the plains of Jordan where it seems like there is, there's an abundance. There's a description that it is like the Lord's garden. Abraham, of course, went the opposite direction into the hill country. We know that this is the decision that was made. When we read that initial decision, we think to ourselves that there was nothing really wrong with Lot's decision because Lot was was purviewing and purveying things and he felt like that the plains of Jordan would be the best place for him. Abraham decided to take the hill country. Later, as we get into this passage of Scripture, we recognize that it was not a a decision that Lot maybe should have taken or made. For the plains of Jordan held a certain culture, a certain environment that was going to draw Lot away from the presence of God. Abraham is still in the hill country. He's still connected to his God and his faith. And so they parted ways. Abraham went one way and Lot went the other way. There's a few chapters in between that passage of Scripture and our text. But it all has to do with the promises of God and the goodness of God. And one day Abraham is sitting at the opening of his tent and he sees three men approaching him. And as these three men approach him, he recognizes that this is the hand of God. Scripture talks about these kind of occurrences as theophanies. God appears in some way, shape, or form. God is a spirit, and therefore one cannot see a spirit unless he chooses to reveal himself in a particular way. He appears in this setting with three men as a man to Abraham. Abraham recognizes something different. And he makes haste. He is hospitable. He is making preparations. And in that conversation, at that occurrence, God speaks to Abraham and says, I'm going to come back to you in a year and a half. And when I do, your wife, Sarah, is going to have a son. This is an explanation and an exclamation to Abraham. Sarah was in the tent and she laughed to herself and God heard her. And he said, I heard you laugh. And he says, why did Sarah laugh, saying, can I really have a baby when I am old? Is anything impossible for God? Sarah denied this. I did not laugh, but the Lord said, yes, you did laugh. 
and you question whether or not God can make things possible that seem impossible. I want to make a statement right there. You may feel like you're in impossible situations and you're wondering how in the world is anything going to come of this. I'm preaching to you tonight from the scripture that all things are possible with God. You say my back's against the wall. I don't know where to turn. I'm preaching to you that there is a God that makes things possible and even if it looks like an impossibility, God is able to bring faith and encouragement and strength to you that he can make it a possibility if you put your faith and your confidence in God. God gives to him this message. Is anything impossible for the Lord? Before the Lord leaves that tent meeting and before he goes on his way, he says to himself, should I reveal what is going to take place in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah? And so he reveals this circumstance and these occurrences to Abraham. And he says that there is an outcry, an outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah. And it is immense because of the environment of Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham recognizes, of course, that Lot and his family is in Sodom and Gomorrah. And so Abraham starts interceding on the behalf of Lot. And he starts out with the number of 50. He said, Lord, if there's 50 people in the city that is righteous and they are godly, uh, would, you, would you destroy the whole city if there were 50 people in the city? And the Lord said, no, he would not for 50. Abraham then responds again and he says, well, what if there were 45? There were 45. And God said, I wouldn't uh, do it on account of 45. He said, suppose there were 40. And he goes from 50 to 45 to 40 to 30 to 20 to 10. And the Lord responded to him that he would not destroy it on the account of 10. This brings us to our chapter in which we read our text. The angels sent by the Lord make their way to the city of Sodom in the evening. Lot was sitting at the gates and he recognized these angels as they come into the city. What gave him that understanding or gave him that ability? I don't know, but he recognized that these were messengers from God. And he was sensitive enough to recognize uh, that these were individuals that were coming with a message. And therefore, they needed to be harbored by someone in the city like himself for their own safety. And so he tells them, come to my house. You can stay at my house. And they respond and say, no, we'll, we'll, we're passing by. We'll stay in the square. And Lot recognizes because of the city's evil. And he recognizes the difficulties that will happen and arise if they stay in the city courtyard in the center of the city that this would not be a wise decision. And so he impresses upon them. You need to come to my house. It's important that you come to my house. And so they went to Lot's house and there he prepared them a feast. He baked some bread for them and they ate and they had some fellowship. Before they went to bed that night, the men of the city of Sodom, both young and old, the whole population surrounded the house and they called out to Lot and they said, where are the men? 
that came to visit you tonight. Send them out so that we can have sex with them. This also helps us understand this was a city that was upside down in terms of their morality. This was an environment that was not the best environment. Lot had been in this city and it had slowly worked upon him, slowly worked upon his family, slowly desensitized him to some things. He was in an environment that was not conducive to godliness. He was in an environment that was not conducive to righteousness and not conducive to faith. It seemed like a good decision in the beginning to take the well-watered plains of Jordan, but now he finds him in, in a situation and in a city that is totally turned upside down, so much so and so evil that their evil ascended to God and God said something has to be done because of the violence that's in Sodom and Gomorrah, because of the evil that is in Sodom and Gomorrah, because of the rebellion and the throwing off of God's identity and God's plan and God's creation. There's an ascension of something. A judgment must take place upon this environment and upon this culture. Lot found himself in that environment and culture with his family. And this tells us in his next statement, it tells us how much this environment weighed him down. He had made a decision and now he was in, in, in an environment that weighed him down and he struggled with that walk of faith and that walk of righteousness. And he has these people in his home. The angels from heaven have come, the messengers, to speak to him specifically about the environment that he's in. He's brings these individuals into his home and the city comes out in array wanting to put evil and wanting to put injustice upon the very individuals that are in his home. What happens next tells us how much this environment had been a contradiction to him. Lot goes out at the entrance and he shuts the door behind him and he says, do not this evil, my brothers, look, I've got two daughters who haven't been intimate with the man. I'll bring them out to you and you can do whatever you want to them. However, don't do anything to these men because they have come under the protection of my roof. When one reads this, there should be a righteous indignation that arises, the degradation of sin. We would read this and we would want Lot to have some backbone and he, we would love for him to step out and say what you're doing is evil, it is wrong, and you're not going to take advantage of anyone in my house. But he's willing to give up his daughters to a mob because of the environment and the degradation of sin. Their response to him is pretty fitting. They call him an outsider. <laughs> Who are you to tell us what we should do? You're an outsider. Get out of the way, they said. You came here as an alien and now you're acting like a judge. We'll do more harm to you than to them. And they put pressure on Lot and came to break down the door. 
Their intentions were evil. Their attitude was evil. They were wholly ensconced and buried in sin. They were in an environment of sin. It was not a good environment. Lot should have long before this occasion recognized this is not a good place for my family. This is not a good place for home. I don't care what wealth comes to me. I don't care what happens to livestock and everything else. I'm leaving this place because this is not a place of righteousness. He should have made a decision to escape from Sodom and Gomorrah a long time ago. But he still finds himself in the city. He finds himself comfortable. I'm telling you tonight, there are some environments you need to get out of. You need to get out of this world and you need to get in the church. There's a world out there that would love to destroy you. It's full of violence. It's full of confusion. It's full of addiction. It's full of degradation. Somewhere there's got to be an attitude on the inside of somebody that says, I've got to get out of the place that I'm in and I've got to get a place in which God can move and God can direct my life and God can bring blessing to my life and God can bring peace to my life and the Holy Ghost can come to my spirit and my home. If you're in that kind of environment and that kind of confusion and that kind of difficulty, I want to preach faith to you and say to you that there are better things and better places in God's house His mercy is there. His faithfulness is there. He's a God that can respond to you. God that can bring healing to you. They broke the door down, would have tried to break the door down. The messengers from heaven say to Lot, get everybody that you know, son-in-law, sons, daughters, anyone else in the city that belongs to you, and get out of this place For we're going to destroy this place because of the outcry against its people is so great before the Lord that the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Lot went to his sons and his daughters and he pleaded with them. The only way that there was not a complete takeover of his home is that the individuals trying to get inside, they were struck with blindness And so they were wandering around. There was chaos and confusion. There was a window. There was a window of opportunity. I can't stress that enough. Sometimes in our life, God provides us a window. Sometimes it's circumstances. Sometimes there are things that arise in our life that cause us to stop and consider and take inventory and priorities and and helps us to understand, wait a minute, I need to rethink things. And there was a window of opportunity. Lot went to his family, and he went to his sons-in-law, and he told them, we need to get out of this place. We need to move from this place. There's an outcry. His sons-in-law thought he was joking. They thought he was joking, and they mocked him. They mocked him. They mocked him. The messengers of God told Lot, it's time to get out of the city. And the angels, the messengers from heaven, urged him, urged him to remove himself from the city. Or you will be swept away in the punishment of the city. 
The Bible tells us, and this is where we've taken our text tonight. The Bible tells us that Lot hesitated. But he hesitated. He hesitated. And that's the message tonight. When God is doing a work and providing a window in your life, it's no time to hesitate. It's no time to stop and say, well, I I don't know, I'm not sure. But it's time to step through the opportunity, the window of opportunity, and step through that door and say, I'm not hesitating. I'm moving toward God. God's drawing me. I'm not stopping. I'm not thinking about these things. I'm not hesitating, but I am striding toward what God is calling me to. There is a purpose and there is a destiny. I want you to hear me. If you feel the calling of God in your life, it's not time to hesitate, but it's time to say, God, I'm willing to leave everything behind me and I'm willing to walk toward Toward you. I want your mercy to cover me and the hand of God to cover me and the blessing of God to cover me and the favor of God to cover me. I don't want to stop. I don't want to be in hesitation. I don't want to stay here and think about everything I might be leaving. It's worth leaving all of that behind with no hesitation. I'm stepping into the realm of your power and your goodness and your anointing. I'm not not going to stay back. I'm not going to hesitate, but I'm going to run quickly. I'm going to run quickly to the plan and the hand of God. Praise God. His family thought he was joking. <laughs> they mocked him. The environment that he was in was not an environment that was healthy, wasn't conducive to the calling of God on his life. If you feel a drawing of God, there's a calling of God on your life. God's got a testimony for you. God's got a direction for you. God's put an anointing on you. Don't hesitate. In the place where you are, but step boldly toward God and say, God, there's a promise and a faith that I'm going to pursue. I'm not, I'm not pursuing Sodom and Gomorrah and the culture of Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm not pursuing the culture of the world. There's all kinds of idols and everybody tries to influence. I'm not, I'm not pursuing those influences in my life. I'm not going that direction. I'm going to follow After you, I'm not hesitating. Praise God. And that's the message tonight. Do not hesitate. What do you do when God knocks you off of your horse? We find Paul was an individual that was very well known, a religious scholar, and he gives his testimony. And he says to them, I was on the way to Damascus one particular day making my way to Damascus to continue persecuting the church threatening the church I was going to synagogues to arrest them and on the way to Damascus a great light shone shined about me knocked me off of my horse and the Lord spoke to me this is his testimony the Lord spoke to him And said, I am Jesus of Nazareth, the one you are persecuting. 
And he was struck with blindness. Same kind of blindness that was upon the men trying to overwhelm Lot's house. A window of opportunity to Paul. A window of opportunity. Paul is struck with blindness. He's told to go tarry in a place. An individual by Ananias is called to go to his house and testify. <laughs> a window of opportunity. Ananias is praying and he says, Lord, wait a minute. I've heard about that guy. He's breathing threatenings and persecuting. He's causing all kinds of problems. That's a culture and environment that's much foreign to what I'm used to. God told Ananias, you go to the house and you speak to Paul. Tell him that I am raising him up to be an apostle to the Gentiles. Going to use him greatly. Window of opportunity. Paul, what are you going to do with this window of opportunity? Are you going to hesitate? Everything in your life, your education, your background, your pedigree, your religious institutions, all of that's on the line here. Jesus is speaking to you and you've got a small window of opportunity. And Ananias, Ananias spoke to him, talked to him about the call of God in his life and said, And now why tarriest thou, Paul? Arise and be baptized, calling on the name of the Lord. Ananias said, Paul, you need to repent. You need to be baptized in Jesus' name, and you need the Holy Ghost operating in your life. You've got a window of opportunity. Are you going to take the opportunity, or are you going to hesitate? There was no hesitation in the life of Paul. Paul went directly to baptismal waters and lost away his sins in Jesus' name. There was no hesitation. This is a great, great point that I need to bring to you tonight. When you hesitate, you're not effective in the kingdom of God. When you hesitate, God is not able to do what he needs to do in your life. Lot, you could have been used of God, but because you hesitated, you never became what Abraham was, the father of the faithful. You always be known for the individual that lingered, that hesitated in Sodom and Gomorrah. When messengers from heaven came and tried to pull you out of your situation I believe that God sends messengers it may be an occurrence in your life somebody may testify to you you may find situations in your life that cause you to ponder but it's God's messengers coming to you to tell you there is a great opportunity in which God can do great things in your life don't hesitate don't shy away from God's blessing and anointing but go with the messengers from heaven and trust the calling of God in your life. Say, well, pastor, you don't know the circumstances and occurrences in my life. I know some of you are battling. I know some of you are struggling in the current environment that we are in. And in the midst of this environment, there are also great things that are happening. God's doing things and he's working behind the scenes. And at the same time, there are failures and circumstances that you feel like you don't feel like you can make it. You're not going to be able to get up and move on. I'm telling you, as a messenger from heaven here tonight, I don't 
care where you are or what you're going through. Don't hesitate to get up and say, God, I'm going to follow after the calling of God. I'm going to be directed by the direction of God and the blessing of God. When a messenger from heaven comes to you, don't hesitate. Don't hesitate, but trust God. We'll always remember a lot for someone that had to be dragged, dragged, coerced, dragged out of Sodom because of the danger in the city, because he hesitated. I don't want that to be my testimony. I don't want to be so locked into, so integrated into a world that I can't see any way out when the messengers from heaven approach me. God, help me be an individual that rises boldly and moves out of situations that keeps me from godliness. Even when Lot was out of the city, they told him, let's flee to the mountains. Lot said, I, I can't survive in the mountains. Let me just stay right here in Zoar, which was not too far away from Sodom and Gomorrah. Shouldn't you want to get out of the situation and as far away as you possibly can? This is an illustration of sin. You need to get as far away from sin as possible. Ab abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. I'm running away from trouble and I'm running into the hands of God's calling. In Zoar, more dysfunction happens. His wife, because she's so integrated and tied to the city, turns around and looks. The Bible says she becomes a pillar of salt. The illustration of somebody that can't completely leave what is behind them, behind them. Remember Lot's wife. The window was open, but there was hesitation. Lot will be remembered from going to the city of Zoar. Yeah, he hesitated, but he hesitated. He'll be known, not as the father of faithful like Abraham, but he'll be known as the one in the city of Zoar with no wife and only two daughters and a fearfulness that their descendants will be completely stamped out. That he ends up in incestual relationships with his daughters. And he gives birth to the Ammonites and the Moabites who become the enemies of God as the children of Israel make their way into Canaan land. That's what he'll be known by. An individual that hesitated. Right on the precipice of great things but hesitated. But he hesitated. Don't be an individual in times like we live in to be individuals that hesitate but say, God, you're doing great things in my heart and in my life. You're arranging and you're putting things in order. There's new territory and there's places that I can expand my horizons and expand boundaries not going to hesitate, not going to be apprehensive, but I'm going to move into the ability and the anointing of God. Some musicians come tonight, we can read about individuals 
that never hesitated. Praise God. God works among individuals that do not hesitate. They're not so connected to the environment of the world that God can't use them. They're not so connected and bound by the structures and the things that they have taken on in their life that God can't shake them free to use them. But they step up to the plate and they say there is nothing greater than pursuing the calling of God in my life. It's individuals like David steps on a battlefield when he faces giants. He doesn't hesitate. Everybody else is hesitating, running to their tents. But David, David says, is there not a cause? There's no hesitation in his life, but he moves boldly toward those obstacles in his life. And instead of getting a text, but he hesitated, we get the text, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? And the scripture tells us that David ran toward Goliath. Hey, those obstacles that you're facing, don't hesitate, but run to God. Praise God. You may have crossed paths with individuals that are trying to help you. You're listening here tonight. Run to God. Run through every obstacle. Those obstacles are there. There will be people try to, that will try to bind you, try to control you, try to keep you from what God is calling you to. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. There's a, there's a calling. There's an invitation. There's an opportunity that you won't want to miss. You don't want to miss. You don't want to hesitate. But you want to run boldly to what God is calling you to. I'm thinking of so many examples of individuals that never hesitated, but they trusted God. Abraham trusted God. He didn't hesitate even when he didn't know where he was going. He just trusted God. And yet there are other situations in Scripture where individuals hesitated. The rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, What must I do to obtain eternal life? Jesus pinpointed his difficulty and his weakness. It wasn't the same for everybody. This particular man was wealthy. He was a rich young ruler. Jesus honed in on his weakness just like he hones in on all of our weaknesses to determine with a window of opportunity what are we going to do with it Jesus said obey all the commandments love your father mother rich young ruler said I've done all these things from my youth Jesus said sell everything that you've got give it to the poor and become a disciple and follow me The window of opportunity opened in that man's life. You can, you can be a disciple. What would have it have been like if that rich young ruler could have been named in the category of the disciples? The window was opening. Here's an opportunity to be a disciple and follow after Jesus in a special relationship, a special connection. 
but he hesitated and in his hesitation he made a decision that saw him walking away from God sorrowful when he had the greatest opportunity in his entire life praise God could you feel me could you feel me tonight don't hesitate on what God is calling you to Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. If we were in church right now, I would be sending out an invitation for somebody. As a matter of fact, there would probably already be people stepping out of a pew, walking down an aisle to a front and, and saying, God, you've opened opportunities in my life. You've given me an opportunity. I don't want to hesitate, but I want to step out in boldness and step out in faith. Lift my hands to you and say, God, thank you for your mercy. You've sent You've sent angels from heaven. You've sent messengers from heaven to take, to take me from where I am to give to me a better opportunity. Ha! You're calling me out of some things. You're bringing me out of some places. Praise God, praise God. Don't hesitate on your calling. Young person, if God is calling you, don't hesitate. Don't say, well, I, I've got tomorrow or next year. No, let God, let God work on your calling and form your calling right now as a young person. I'm going to be called of God now. I'm not hesitating. God's got something for me in my life. I'm going to be used of God. Amen. When circumstances and difficulties come your way and the opportunity in the window opens. Oh, I'll wait until this whole thing is over and I can get back to church. I'm not where I need to be, but I'll wait until everything's perfect. I'll get there. Don't wait. You don't need to wait. You need to right now make a, a commitment right now. Right now. Praise God. I'm not hesitating, but I'm trusting in you, Lord. What you want. Praise God. Praise God. I lift my hands to you, Lord.